0: This podcast. My name is Evan Semenko and I host the podcast each week where we talk to a different parent, professional counselor, somebody that can help us to be better parents. Because as a parent, I want to learn and grow and be better. And I'm thankful that you're choosing to tune in with us today. We have one of my great friends, Mr. Stephen Knight, who is not a parenting expert, nor am I, but he's going to talk about money and little kids, especially. He has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And in that phase of life, most people aren't thinking about talking talking about money, but he has a great resource and when we've talked over the last couple months, it's just something I think that everybody would benefit from. I personally am gonna to try to go through it and we wanted to share that today as well as talking about Christmas and Christmas traditions, things to do and maybe some things not to do. So thanks for tuning in today. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the parent stuff podcast and give us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That helps other people to find it and just gets it out there and better for the podcast. And we hope a benefit to you as parents, share it with your friends, tell some people, and we're thankful you're here today and listening. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the parent stuff podcast. I am very excited to have my friend, Steven Knight here. Steven, thanks for being on
1: today. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, um, Anyway, speaking of speaking of friendship, you know what I thought? You were my first friend in Shreveport-Bossier when we moved here almost ten years ago. That is hard to believe. It's been that long, but yeah. that
0: is really a cool story. Real quick, get into that. How did you find us and we become friends? Oh well, I mean,
1: geez, I probably cut off your intro. I don't know. That's what you, okay. <laughs> we're flowing. Um, well, I moved to Shreveport-Bossier in 2010. Uh, in May of 2010, I was a lifelong South Louisiana resident. Went to the great university, Louisiana Tech University, from aught six to 2010. You're wearing the colors right now. I it's am not, wearing I was checking color- to see if it was Louisiana the, Tech. Well, I got there the There we go. On. It's underneath there. I got the shirt on. Proud alumnus. And, uh, I am. And uh, anyway, moved over here to shreveport Bozier and uh, found the Simple Church not too long after, probably August or, or maybe September. And uh, we were trying to get involved, looking for a life group at that time, a Simple Church was publishing the actual physical booklet. You could go... Shout out to Perry. She worked yeah, hard on that thing. Exactly. And you could go into the lobby of the Regal and grab a booklet. And we flipped through that booklet and literally picked you and Mallory out of the book and said, well, they look like us. <laughs> young couple. You know, young couple. You and Angie were newly married. Newly married. And uh, and that was history. So the you and, uh, and, of course, a handful of those others that were in that life group. Yeah the very first friends that we ever had in Shreveport Bozier so that's a life group success story yeah. i'm going to send this to amber to make sure this is, <laughs> you've done a video before
0: you are great about exactly. that and very thankful to have you so tell us about angie your wife and your family what do you do for a living let us know about Stephen Knight.
1: great yeah um well my beautiful wife and i angie have been married for almost 12 years yeah we've been married for 11 2021 will make 12 um, we were high school sweethearts, No, so we started dating, uh, back in high school and then, uh, she followed me to college and, and, um, eventually got married in college. So despite our age, we, you know, we're relative. you know, we're in our early thirties, just like you are Evan, but despite our age, we've been married for a pretty good long time. Just like we're getting old, Steven. I know I, I can only, I can only pretend to be young for so much longer, <laughs> um, I am a structural engineer by trade, so I work um, at a company here, a, a corporation here in Shreveport-Bosier, and my wife is a kindergarten teacher. God bless her. So she she's really, you know, being that this is a parenting podcast, she's really the one that you should be talking to because she has a lifetime of, of work dedicated to young children, and um, she's she's been a tremendous, tremendous asset to me. Um, of course, Evan, you know, this as a friend of mine, but, but for those listening, you know, I'm not a very emotional guy, right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a, um, a task sort of, uh, unemotional. Some people might call me cold, but do you remember
0: your Enneagram number for all the Enneagram people out there.
1: I am a one, I'm a perfectionist. Um, so, isn't that perfection? Yes, oh okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you are very much so. I'm not no, a big <laughs> Enneagram guy, but uh, but the colors, I'm a red. There we go. On the color scale for sure which which matches me. So my, you know, my wife is definitely ha- has been a tremendous asset when dealing with young kids who can be emotional, can be irrational. Um, you know, irrationality is not is not something that works well with me and and um so she's a she's a huge Huge asset. My children, uh, Luke and Zoe. Luke is four. We had him in 2016. Absolutely changed my life. Um, Parenthood. I assume the majority of people listening to this podcast are probably already parents. So I won't drone on about how much it changed my life, but um, my story's not unique in that aspect. But every ounce of Selfishness, I don't want to say that I'm not selfish anymore in certain ways, but less, but a new a new chapter of selflessness um certainly entered me on March fourth, two thousand and sixteen, you know, holding my baby boy, and of course, two years later, Zoe was born, so she's a two year old almost three. and um you know, definitely she equally is a life changer, but you know, for certainly the first experience with parenthood um, came with Luke. Yeah. Um, and there's something interesting that that you told me. Well, you didn't tell me. You told the middle schoolers. Back okay. In, back in the day you when— You were a longtime middle school volunteer. That's right. Back Very in, thankful for you. Back in the day when Evan Semenko was a middle school pastor, uh, he used to tell the kids all the time that that this is your parents' first time being a parent. Mm. Um. And so I thought about that a lot as, as I have young children, I'm less than 25% of the way through Mm -hmm. raising them to be adults. Um, And I think about the new experiences that we have a lot as, as new parents, because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. I think that's a
0: big deal and just a fun thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a very... I like to keep things and remember things. And so, me and Mallory do an end of year date. We always look back and reflect on the year. So, I keep a note in my phone of all the first that year. And so I try to go back and remember the same kind of thing of you just get busy, new you forgetting like, oh yeah, Eliza did take her first steps, or she did do this this year. And so we always reflect back on those first. It's a big deal, and that is something I think I stole from Andy Stanley to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I'm not that smart, but that phrase of remembering, especially to teenagers, this is your parents' first time being a parent of a teenager. If you're the oldest, they're figuring it out with you. It's a big deal. What a fantastic idea!
1: Have you plugged that for all these parents listening? before? I don't know if
0: I have or not, but I'm yeah. a big fan of that. I use a program called Evernote. It saves and syncs up. Notes and then I just do one for the whole year and it's what movies we watch, what TV shows we watch, your favorite book, and then at the end of the year we just go back and look through them all and like, oh, I forgot about that.
1: Angie does something similar on our anniversary every year. She in the in the card she puts a top ten list from the previous nice. year, and uh, certainly the first um, six or seven years that we were married, they had to do with us because sure. we didn't have kids. But now that we have kids, it's really hard. We, we try to focus on our marriage and our relationship on an anniversary like one would, but it's really hard not to talk about that super cute thing that oh, yeah. one of our children said or did.
0: Or, it's or, that phase we're in. Absolutely. And that's why this yeah. New Year's Eve date for us, that is the same kind of thing. We do try to talk about us and the things that we did this year and we normally get away without the kids. and mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Absolutely. That's good. But talking about Angie, I completely agree. My wife, Mallory, was a teacher for eight years and we both outkicked our coverage and I think <laughs> did very well with that and for dads, I think especially, and I don't know the audience breakdown yet. If you're a dad, listen, I appreciate that. But typically, it tends to be moms, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go through. And so for you and me, we've had these conversations a lot, being parents and dads and trying to figure this out, and be good dads. And one of the things that you do really well that I'm trying to learn from is talk about finances. So talk a little bit about your own experience with Dave Ramsey, who's a mm-hmm. financial guy that puts out resources as a Christian. And you went through the financial peace class. You helped even kind of teach at one time, right? I think, I believe. Or I'm was... looking to. Okay. I haven't, there I we haven't go. been a coordinator yeah, yet. That's right. But trying to go through that and talk about your experience with Dave Ramsey and then how that translates now with Luke, who is four, for reference again. Last week we had Amy Moss, was a mom of teenagers. We tried a different phases and whatever phase you're in. But if you're a parent of young kids, talking about money is something that probably doesn't come up a lot, and I'm trying to learn
1: from you, Stephen. Right. So, you know, Dave Ramsey's a, a popular guy, and, 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 and that could be a very polarizing word to some people. And, and he likes to joke, uh, if you listen to his podcast, you would know, um he likes to joke that his name's a curse word to some people. <laughs> so um, if you're aware of Dave Ramsey, you, you know he's a he's on the extreme end when it comes to debt and that sort of thing. but um, if you're not aware of Dave Ramsey, I totally recommend you at least give him a give him a look or, or a listen. Um, he, <clears throat> one Google will get you more information than <laughs> you could ever uh, hope to gain. But the biggest thing about Dave Ramsey that that he claims to be able to offer people is financial peace. Um, his, his deal, as a matter of fact, the, the name of his class is financial peace university. And and what, what adult doesn't want financial peace. So he's, I, I'll give it to his marketing department. He's got a very catchy tagline. Um, and, and truly, if you, if you listen to his stuff or, or you get to know him, you'll find out that that's what he does want for his listeners. And, mm. and, and, he's got a christian perspective on it that's that's really refreshing he's sometimes pretty harsh right <laughs> i mean if 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 you're doing if you're being stupid with your money he'll tell you well that's stupid and that's off putting to some listeners but sure and the part of his story too though right is that he made a bunch of money and then lost it making bad choices
0: and Absolutely. was able to rebuild and kind of go through and help people what he walked through
1: yes he was a real estate mogul by i think age 26 he had a multi million dollar um, profile of, of, of real estate properties. And through some complicated real estate law, it all came crashing down. He had a house of cards built on debt, and he filed for bankruptcy the year that his daughter was born, his second daughter was born. So when, when Dave Ramsey was 30, he was in the middle of a financial crisis with two young mouths to feed um, getting out of bankruptcy. Might be some people listening right now. <laughs> there may be, absolutely. And and it's a scary place to be. Um, I, I mean, at least I've heard. I, I wouldn't want to try to speak from experience sure. on that. Um, where, where I got introduced to Dave Ramsey was actually through a church class when I was a teenager. Um, and And I won't claim to say that I've done everything right. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until I read his book with his daughter smart money smart kids that Angie and I really became dedicated to cleaning up all of our all of our finances and parenthood and and wanting to raise my children to not mess up with money mm-hmm. i mean we know now as adults how stressful money can be oh, and absolutely and e- even though Angie and I are certainly in a, a, a great financial position right now. I mean, it's still stressful. I don't think there'll ever be a day that, I, that, that we don't, in some way, worry about money a little bit. But if, if we can get our kids to be on a better financial footing and, and, therefore, a better footing where they don't have to stress as much, wouldn't you want to do it? Absolutely. So
0: if you're listening right now, just stop and think about your own parents. Think about growing up. Did you have conversations about money? Were you talking about it? Were they always stressed? Were they never worried about it? Did you see any of that? And I think a lot of that shapes how we grow up, and if it's not talked about, if it's not communicated, we learn things that are not being said, but are being caught, right? That Mm -hmm. we go and see our parents and how they handle things, and then we enter marriage, and then all of a sudden there's a whole other person that has a perspective (laughs) that's different than ours in a lot of ways, but with finances too, I think it's a big stressor, and there's typically a spender and a saver, right? right? And most relationships, opposites attract, and there's a lot of pros of that, but it causes tension and fights, and Dave Ramsey, again, we're not sponsored by Dave Ramsey, (laughs) I mean, affiliation with Dave Ramsey, but Mallory and I went through financial piece whenever I was getting married we went through it and would recommend it to anybody I, when I do premarital counseling I recommend it to couples that go through the church because a lot of times they, just, they haven't had the conversations mm-hmm. they're young, they're in love, they've got their own stuff and they're coming into marriage and they're all thinking about all the wedding and planning and what they're going to do, but they don't necessarily think about how they're going to do it. Right. And so that's something that I appreciate. I know that you are a big fan of. So talk a little bit more about Smart Money, Smart Kids. And this is something that's challenged me and I haven't got to it yet. I'm sorry, Steve, I'm going to be honest with the, the audience, but I do want to, because I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah. So Smart Money, Smart Kids, I'm I'm really passionate about about that particular book. It was written by primarily by his daughter, Rachel Cruz. Um, but Dave co-authored the book and it's a really interesting dynamic because uh rachel ramsey cruz talks about how dave raised her and then so you get to hear it from the kid perspective of, right hey when i was a kid this is what this is what my dad was doing and my mom was were doing and she's in her mid 30s now i mean she's she, an adult she, established person but she's i reflecting think she back. might be our age exactly I, oh really i think That's... she's around 33 or so okay yeah so um Yeah, she talks about what what happened and and what they did and what effect it had on her. And then um, the great thing is then Dave chimes in and as a dad, he talks about how his children reacted or he talks about what sort of side conversation he and his wife Sharon had about that. Right. Right. you know, there's certainly a dynamic between a father and a child. And then there's a dynamic between a, a husband and a wife who may not always agree mm-hmm. on the things that you're teaching. Your they children. present
0: that unified front. Hopefully that's what we recommend. But exactly. behind the scenes, there's probably a little bit more disagreement than you knew about growing
1: up. Yeah. And so so one of the one of the cooler tenets of the book is is that we're trying to raise good adults. Hmm. We talk about raising children. All right. But but you're not trying to raise a good kid, are you? We're trying to raise a good adult. That's the goal. And so the the whole book is, is it's always forward focused. Um, one of the biggest things that I think makes total sense about this book um, is that we need to be giving our children an opportunity to make mistakes with money now, hmm. right? Because we don't want them to make a mistake when they're grown adults with many, many more zeros attached to it. Consequences, right. You know, if if Luke takes the money that he's earned and goes to the store and just 100% blows it, and it's all gone, wouldn't it be better to get that trial and error out of the way as a young child with $10 than to do it as an adult with $10,000? And yet, and yet adults do it, Right. you know, grown adults do We're in this. We're in the middle of
0: Christmas time. All day long. Some of you are sitting there regretting decisions
1: you've made the last couple of weeks. Exactly. And, and like, I'm, I'm not impervious to it. Don't sure. get me wrong. Oh yeah. Um, but there's a, there's an interesting, it's an interesting idea and, and granted Luke's only four and he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to, to make bigger decisions with money yet, but when he says he wants this, you know, piece of junk toy that you and I both know are is going to be broken in about three and a half minutes. If it makes it home <laughs> from the store in one piece, oh yeah, um, then it, then it's it's been a success. Um, you let him make that mistake. You you let him learn because we're humans. We we're trial and error beings, left and right. So um, definitely. This idea is constantly preparing them for being responsible adults. Um, even at four years old, you're thinking about that. Even at four years old, um, I'll give you another great thing that that has has come from this is trying to teach them about the value of work. Hmm. Okay, and and um, you know here in Shreveport, Bozier, for those of you who are local to this area and are listening to the podcast. Um, We had a hailstorm back in, was it March or April? I think April, yeah. Monster hail, like two inch in diameter. Baseballs, yeah. Every single roof in my neighborhood is being or has been replaced. And so we have a lot of day laborers out in in our neighborhood. And as any curious four-year-old and even Zoe, you know, who are they? What are they doing? You know, we get to talk about the value of work we get to talk about even though that these people are not they're not the upper edges of 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 society right they're yeah. they're most likely low income workers they're people that are struggling and scrapping for a living. We get to talk about how that work gives them a purpose and how they're important parts of our society and how they're they're trying to build for their family and provide and and if we weren't talking about money, or if I wasn't thinking about trying to teach them that there is value in work and that um, those people have value, I don't know that that conversation would have ever come up. Hmm. You know, I probably just would have said, oh, they're here to fix the roof. Yeah. Move on. Move on. Watch yeah. your iPad. <laughs> yeah. And and there's, a, there's an emphasis that their book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, puts on trying to teach your kids that there's there is value to to working to being a productive member of society. They're using money to illustrate that purpose, or or, or eventually they'll, you'll use money to to illustrate that purpose. Um, but as parents, now it's forward on our minds. Hmm. You know, we talk about hard work all the time in our house um, because that's how they get money. We we call it hard work. You know, relatively is, to four-year-old and two-year-old, yeah, exactly. And and you know, my kid's hard work has <laughs> has to do more with putting you know food in our dog's food bowl. Um, but I think some people will push back and
0: say, oh, I can't believe you're making them do chores at four, Stephen. What a slave driver you are.
1: Yeah, well, great great question. And and then there's probably going to be some people that say, well, I'm not going to pay my kids to to put the dog's food in their bowl. They should do that because they're part of this family. And um, I agree entirely. My kids should absolutely, as a member of our familial unit, help around the house. And I believe in that. The, the counter argument I would have is, as parents, you're, you're going to end up giving them money eventually anyway. Right. You know, so you may as well use that, that instance to, to teach them something to teach them that money comes from hard work. All right. Why do I emphasize that? Because we want to kill entitlement, Mm. right? Um, You and I being millennials, we get a lot of, a lot of flack. Our generation gets a lot of flack for being, um, a group of kids that wants to sit in mom's basement until they're getting older. We're not much kids
0: anymore. I know, but (laughs) you know,
1: it won't take you very far on a Google to find a negative article about, about kids playing video games until they're, until they're 35 on their mom's couch. Failure to launch. And yeah, failure to launch. Great example, you know, and, um, obviously we want to, we want to convince our children that when they're somewhere in their, in their late teens, early 20s, that they need to go out and find a, a life of their own. Um, so we talk a lot about, um, you know, hard work. That's where money comes from, a sense of, of, of k- killing that sense of entitlement. Yeah. That you're not, no one's going to just hand you money. So if, if we are going to just hand our kids money, Right. We may as well tie it to something, tie it to to something where they can sense a correlation. Um, Our children still do chores, right? There are still things that they don't get, get paid for. Right. Um, And and there always should be, you know, I definitely don't advocate for every time my, my child picks a toy up in their room that they're going to come to me with their hand. Gold star. Yeah. And, 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 Say, okay, quarter per toy, give me a, give me a dollar (laughs) or whatever. Um, But if I don't give them that dollar, then I'm missing out on the opportunity for them to learn something. I agree. I miss miss out on an opportunity for them to gain that trial and error experience. And, and, you know, as parents, once again, you pay for education, right? You know, we're going to, we're going to send them to college. Uh, Eventually we're going to pay for someone to educate them then, um, I had, to, I'm paying to educate them right now. Um, there is a, there was kind of a running joke on the Dave Ramsey podcast. When someone makes a really expensive mistake in life, he says, well, that tuition was expensive, you know, <laughs> even if it wasn't a school, right? Right. You know, There's a cost was, associated, you know, you just got your car repoed. Well, that was a expensive tuition experience right there. So but you learn from it. exactly. You learned from it. So, um, yeah, the book "Smart Money, Smart Kids." I remember we read it two two years ago. So Luke was two. Luke was two. Okay. So we read it really even before we could we could do anything um, with it, and one of the major tenets there is more is caught than taught. Hmm. Also, and so you have to get your life in order if you expect them. You just do as I say, Stephen. Yeah, you don't right, do just, as I do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, and you were talking about how many how many people remember their parents doing something foolish or mm. something silly, and and um, that part resonated with me a lot. So I, I fully understand and agree that you can't you can't just tell your kids, oh, well, you should do this with money, you should do that with money. Meanwhile. You're you're making frivolous purchases, or you're not saving like you should, or or you've led a a, a lifestyle that's been, you know, outside your means. Outside your
0: means, you exactly. Go. I heard a comedian talking about the truck commercials where on Christmas time they show up with two brand new trucks with a bow in their driveway. Like, you don't think you should have asked your wife about that first? <laughs> like, you just spent ninety thousand dollars on trucks and it's right. a surprise, and you think that's like that's not a good plan. It's not <laughs> romantic and Christmas gifty.
1: Yeah, so you know, one day, whenever our kids are old enough to understand, and, and hopefully, if we flash forward twenty years from now, hopefully Angie and I are still in a, a nice, peaceful financial position, I'll have my kids to thank for it, hmm. because I've been around Dave Ramsey for a long time. Uh, I was first exposed to him when I was sixteen or seventeen from a from a little church teenage class. Um, but a lot of that never stuck. It was in the back of my mind. I didn't make a lot of big mistakes, but certainly made mistakes. Um, it wasn't until a year or two ago that I became passionate about my kids not, not being financial screw-ups. And I said, wait, that means I can't be a financial screw-up. Right. No, right? That's good. And I think...
0: Again, some people maybe are pushing out, have already checked out on the fact that, oh, it's too early. You only talk about another two, they're four. is nothing to do that. But I think one thing that I've learned is you wanna talk up to your kids. Mm-hmm. And so Mallory made fun of me. Yesterday was December 7th. We're, filming, we're recording this. And I told Nora about Pearl Harbor because it was on my mind. It came up in my newsfeed and explaining what Pearl Harbor was. She's like, why are you telling Nora about Pearl Harbor? I was like, it's an important thing in American history. And we walk to school, we have those conversations. And I would rather talk up to Nora and assume she will rise to that level, mm-hmm. then talk down to her and baby her and keep her from becoming more responsible. Obviously I didn't go into graphic detail about how people drowned alive and going through and all that. that. was not that point, but we pulled up FDR speech on the phone and talked about it and try to instill those little things in her. And it's not like one of these conversations is gonna fix everything, but I think that's where it goes back to being caught. That's such a good point of, mm-hmm. we did a lemonade stand, Nora wanted a new toy, so we tried to have that conversation and we're gonna give the money and keep part of it to save it. You're going to donate part of it and pick something you want to do. So she picked an Operation Christmas Child box and then she bought her toy. So she did great, but she had money in her piggy bank. She learned that. She had to count it. We had to pay for the supplies out of the money she had already to try to get her to think through that. And we had a really good conversation about it. And I'm not saying that now she's financially set for life at five years old, right? But it's these things that add up instead of, I think a lot of parents that I talk to in student ministry be like, oh, my, my kid's a senior and they've never paid for anything. <laughs> they've never taken right. care of their own stuff and I've got to cram it in these last 6 months mm-hmm. versus the gradual building up of it and seeing it and doing that. Talk about Luke and his dollars cuz I just love that.
1: Yeah, so um you know, for those uh, I'll share specifics for for my kids. So if you're thinking, you know, that I'm over here shelling out tons of money, you know, we budget $20 a month for our children five a week. Yeah. And and, and it's not allowance, right? You know, it's not it's not handout. something that just automatically gets given to them. They they have to earn their dollars, and and that's for two kids. Now, granted, Zoe is still very young, um, at, at at two years old. She's she can she can work. She gets dollars to put in her little piggy bank. But uh, for the majority of it, it's it's been mostly Luke. Um, I go to the bank. I get twenty dollars in singles. And I assure you, you know, I get my twenty dollars worth of education hmm. uh, out of it every month, but he has been such a it's been such a joy to watch him in ways reacting and acting with this with this money. So much of parenthood that they, they teach you so much that you wouldn't have otherwise known about your children. For instance, there's there's such a sense of pride that, that I get as a parent when my four-year-old wants to spend his dollars on someone else, wants to wants to be generous. Whether it's um, with his sister, we were in Five Below this weekend, um, buying a, a foam sword that he has had his <laughs> eye on. He and, saved his dollars and he really wanted to to play swords with with Zoe. Um, and she didn't have enough money for that. So, he, I mean, the first thing he said was, well, she can have some of my dollars. Um, man, you, you just can't, you can't buy that kind of uh, sense of pride and satisfaction um, out of your kids. I mean, those, those will be good memories that, that we have. And, of course, they're leading to, to children who are generous. Right, um, I think about my kids, and they're not always sharing things and giving like that. So right. that
0: encouragement.
1: Um, he at one point bought a bought a toy for one of his kids at, at uh, in his daycare class, mm. and and so there's it's one thing to be generous with someone else's time and money. Um, it's another to to teach about generosity and and take something that was was yours or something you worked hard for and give that away to someone else. It's the goal,
0: right? I think every parent would say, I want my kids to be generous. Absolutely. I would say some parents aren't generous and they're not modeling that. And that's hard for them to learn it if they're not. And I'm just going to brag on you and Angie because I know you guys and you are very generous. You are very minded of that. And I know that they see that in y'all as well.
1: Right. And and, and on an adult scale, it may be, you know, we, we're a member of the Simple Church. We, we tithe to the Simple Church. But there's a difference between participating in a church function where money out of the church budget has gone into helping this family in need or, or whatever the event is and doing it yourself and taking money out of your own wallet in addition to uh, whatever it is that you give to the, to the church or, or a charity or, or whatever and saying, no, I'm going to do it out of my own, um, uh, you know, out of my own pocket this time. Yeah, And it's so much fun to see that in a four-year-old. I mean, granted, we're talking about buying toys for other people. So it's but not thats lo- important in his world, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it a is big important. Deal. That's, a, that's one of the best things that, that he, <laughs> he can get. offer. So um, it's, been, it's been really fun to watch that. Um, another thing that's been really fun is I feel like I've learned more about what motivates him.
0: Hmm.
1: As a four-year-old, I would think it'd be toys all day long. Right. Right. And of course, he's no different than your average four year old in that everything that's got some some colorful plastic piece of junk inside of it he's interested in it for sure. but the amount of patience that he displays in in trying to figure out which toy he wants, the amount of um, we're, we're able to teach about quality things you can see him you can see him weighing it. Um, Every time he goes into the into the grocery store, or into Target, or wherever you buy your your toys from, you know, do I want this or do I want to wait? Um, seeing a four year old have delayed gratification to me is is such a huge um, opportunity. There, it's such huge skill yeah. that you know adults don't even have uh, <laughs> right. you know, really mastered and not to say he has not mastered either but um he's certainly way far ahead of oh, the right path what i would have thought yeah um i remember there was a 40 dollar peppa pig bus and remember i budget 20 bucks a month at this and he doesn't get all 20 every month either right so 40 dollars big price that's that's a lot of that's a lot of work to get this peppa pig bus and we tried for months to, to kind of divert his attention off of this Peppa Pig bus, but he wanted that Peppa Pig bus and he was willing to, to work for it. He was willing to save for to it. Save yeah. and, and be um, patient. And these are such great life lessons and we're starting it early. Right. You know, and, and you're right, we're not gonna have it mastered at the age of four or five or six. This is going to be a conversation that lasts another 14 years for him, 16 for Zoe, and and then some. Right. But what's cool is that we've normalized the conversation. Absolutely. You know, this isn't some big, scary thing that we never talk about. We never talk about Yeah. We talk about it all the time and it's normal. And, And I've really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Every, every dollar of it. We're gonna move into Christmas,
0: but before we do that, last thing I'm thinking is if there's a parent in here, listeners, like, oh, my kids are older; they're teenagers now. It's too late. Does the
1: book kind of go into that for different ages? Absolutely. It- so the book really has has three major sections. The first section is just this is what we recommend that you do. So for task oriented people like myself that just want to know what Checklist. should I do? Yeah, yeah. What what should I do? It goes age by age. Um, we're in the early phase of the of the book, which is just you want to teach your kids about hard work. You want to teach your kids where money comes from. You want to, you want to start laying down the foundation of, of none of this belongs to us. We're all, we're it's off comes from God and we're just managers of it, hmm. which by the way is a really, really fun thing to have your kid tell you <laughs> throw you know? it back at you. He does. Uh, you know, Luke is in that parrot age where oh, yeah. everything you say, he, he, he'll say it back to you. Um, and so he, at least once a week, you know, I'll talk about, you know, hey, well, we need to get in, you know, go go get in Dad's truck. Well, Dad, it's not your truck; it's God's truck. And mm. I'm just, You're right, <laughs> and and it's a fun little reminder. And and um, so the first phase is is just telling you what to do, do at each age mm-hmm. for teenage kids. Spoiler alert: um, for for teenage kids, they they actually recommend. Giving them their own budget, giving them, you know, if you're going to spend $100 a month on clothes or eating cheerleading out, dues yeah. or eating out or, or, you know, whatever it is that, you're, that your teenage children are involved with and whatever it is that you already as a parent are going to be obligated to spend that money on them, give all that money to them, make them create a budget, make them manage that money with your oversight so that way, as a teenager, they can start learning how to manage money. Um, that's a super, super scary thought. Sure. Um, and, and being that I don't have teenage kids, it's it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around. But the idea is is the same. We, ex- we we I left the house when I was 18, right? I mean, I went off to college, and I was on my own. We expect kids to just walk out the door and know how the world works. Um, it's not really fair. So, um, teenagers definitely get a long leash, definitely start learning about the more day-to-day boring parts of adulthood, which includes budgets and, and Hey, I only have so much money and we got to make it last. The younger kids are definitely in give, save and spend. So every time that they get money, you know, with their parents' help, you, you, you get them it to save a portion, you get them to spend a portion, and you get them to give away a portion. And bonus, it's a math lesson. <laughs> the math, math grades. lessons. Yeah, there's tons of, you know, for our kids who just are starting to understand numbers and, and you know, the, my kids aren't even in kindergarten yet. So you go to the grocery store and they want a $12 toy and they only have eight. Well, there's a there's a math lesson you get to give them right in the middle of the grocery store. So, um I could not more highly recommend it. I mean, absolutely. We will put the link to the book
0: in the show notes so you can click on that and download it. We don't get any commission. Hashtag not sponsored. There we go. That's right. But let's talk about Christmas, Stephen, because we are in the thick of December. Mm -hmm. It is a weird year. Christmas is different this year. Talk about you and your family, what you're doing for Christmas, and maybe a little bit
1: about growing up, your Christmas experience. So I am not a big Christmas guy. It's definitely my favorite holiday, but... You know, I've been trying to think of, of good traditions to tell you good, good family experiences. And, and I definitely, um, grew up in a, in as, as dysfunctional family as everyone else. Right. You know, we spent more time maybe yelling at one (laughs) another than, than, you know, big happy Christmas dinners or anything like that. Um, my family was pretty mobile on Christmas Day when I was a kid. We spent a lot of time going places, not very many Christmases that were that were in our house. So we'd we'd go up to our grandparents' house and we'd have Christmas there. And I don't wanna say that I was that I didn't like it, but certainly as an adult now, I'm really, really set on you know we're going to have christmas day is going to be at my house you know my kids are going to to be in their bed waiting for reindeer hooves on their roof you know waiting for santa to come down their chimney um and i, I don't think i realized that until recently that, that that i was that dead set on it that 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 moving around during christmas was was that bothersome to me as a, as a child but i guess it was cuz yeah um, subconsciously yeah subconsciously um you know as far as as a kid you know we we had a nickname for my mother <laughs> so i i'm the youngest of 3 and myself and my siblings have a a it's not a very politically correct nickname I apologize if this is offensive, but we used to call her the Christmas Nazi.
0: Affectionately, huh? affectionately, <laughs> yes,
1: the you know it was a it was a term of endearment, and I even asked my dad this weekend. My parents were up. I asked my dad, "Hey, is there any Christmas traditions that I haven't thought about?" And my dad quickly quipped, "He said, uh, he said." Uh, nothing other than your mom yelling at you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get in trouble for that, lady. Yeah. She's r- well, she was sitting right there oh, in okay, front good, of when he said good. it. When, so uh, my mom, it, with the best of intentions, and I, I love my mother to death. I'm a mama's boy through and through, and but she, I think, obsessed over a a quote picture perfect Christmas. Hmm. She had expectations of how we were to behave and, you know, how quickly we were, we needed to get up and, and tell, you know, aunt so-and-so thank you for that gift or, or, um, she was always yelling at us to, to take a picture. So, you know, you'd rip (laughs) open a a toy, you know, you're, you're seven years old. Yeah. So excited. And before you could even get the paper off of it, you got someone in the background, turn it around, let me see, <laughs> smile. You know, she was she had to have those Christmas pictures. And where are they now? That's a, and that's what I was just about to say, Evan. I don't think once in my life I have ever gone back through our stacks of of old Polaroids and and ever even found the pictures, much less wanted to see pictures of of what we got for Christmas. Right. So and um, I feel like it's worse now because now there's the pressure to put it
0: on social media. Yes. Look at what a great gift I got. Look, at, I took care of this. I got the PlayStation five for my kids. I'm not buying one for mine, but just mm-hmm. as an example. But there is again, it's a it's a bragging in a sense. And I don't think we like to hear that because nobody wants to be accused of that. Right. Well, I'm just proud of my kid. I want to mm-hmm. show them off and be a good parent. But it's the pressure and it's the. Keeping up with the Joneses side of it, that now I think it's even worse than it was because my mom was the same way of wanting to take the pictures and do it. We hated it, and didn't want to stop, and
1: never looked at those pictures <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not important, and and that's one thing that has certainly translated to me as a parent. Um, I, I I will admit I'm a I'm a pretty bad guy when it comes to being addicted to my that little that little five inch device that sits in my pocket all day long. If it's not in my pocket, it's in my hands. Oh, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm missing out. I, I know that I'm missing out on a lot of great experiences with my kids when I'm watching YouTube or, or whatever else. But because of that experience as a kid there, if there's one place where, you know, it's kind of a no phone zone, it's Christmas morning. Hmm. You know, I, I, I asked Angie this week just, you know, in preparation for this question, I, I, I said, do we even have any pictures of our kids like opening presents? And she pretty much agreed. She said, no, we we leave the phones and they're not in the other room, but they're, you know, you try to be in that moment. They're yeah. off to the other side. And and I don't regret that one bit. Yeah, I got plenty of cute pictures of my kids. I mean, I got tons and tons of our, our children are gonna be the most documented children ever we joke and say that my grandmother's 89 now and there's already
0: more pictures of my kids than my grandma in her entire life
1: I mean that's that's probably a true I mean, statement
0: thousands and thousands of pictures yeah um and this is two dads talking all the by the way too there's probably some moms <laughs> shaking their head. they're like you don't even get it oh well you know we don't have to go down those that, <laughs> that path is, is every time we buy Angie
1: a phone I'm like how many gigabytes do you have? How, do, how do you not need a 64 gig phone I well, I got 387 gigabytes of videos, you know. So, um, but I mean, her time hop is pretty cool. Though. Crushing it. That's her yeah. App. Her time hop is great. That's a great app too, by the way.
0: If you don't yes. have time hop, it goes and shows you your social media posts from the year, five years, all the way back as far as you have
1: them, and it is kind of cool to be sentimental and see that. Yeah. So, so just from my perspective, you know. Put your phones down on Christmas Day. Watch your kids. We'd all be better probably
0: if we just in general (laughs) put our phones down. We don't have it at dinner. That's a rule in our house. Mm. We try to make sure that me and Mallory are phone free. There's no devices, no stuff on. We might play music right now. There's probably Christmas music in the background. But we probably eat at the table realistically four to five days a week. And there's no phones, no technology at the table for... Twenty minutes top. I mean, they can't stay long, right? But it is that time of just talking about the day and reflecting and trying to be intentional with that because, like you said, it's always around.
1: Yeah, I've I've never regretted. I don't need I don't need pictures of my kids opening presents and and I don't want to ruin their experience either. So you know, we let them have fun. We have fun. Um, you know, as far as as other Christmas traditions, geez, I don't know that we have any. I mean, certainly. You know, we're making it a tradition to do um, Christmas child boxes every year, you know, so that's becoming bigger. They're just now getting to the age where I think we can we can help them to understand what's going on with the Christmas child boxes. Sure. Um, and that ties into FX boxes,
0: which absolutely. you
1: guys have done, and does it, we did that for November
0: and did yes. a box, and the resources and that, y'all take advantage of that, and it's a really, really good stuff.
1: We just picked up our December box um, here last week. What a fantastic deal by the church, by the way. If you don't know, if you're not getting an FX box, it's free 90 free. How's that for financial? And here's some behind the scenes. They cost about $15 to
0: $20 worth of stuff, and we were originally going to charge for it and push back and said, you know what? We want to get this in people's hands. We don't want that to be an obstacle and offer it for free to be able to get that. It is a good deal.
1: It is It is a great deal. That's if you're picking it up. I think you charge some, some shipping fees if you're getting it shipped. And initially, yeah, we had
0: people that wanted it that weren't local, and so they asked. And so if you do want it shipped to you, it is a $15 flat fee, and you'll ship it anywhere in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me tell you what. Luke Knight, is crazy about his fx box i mean he begs uh, it, you know it's one little less than a week kind of deal and he can't keep up with them right he he wants to do them back to back to back. <laughs> burn through him he's a binger yeah he'll burn straight through him and um you know this is this is a weird time in in the whole world right with the, with this pandemic going on and, and a lot of people out there are not able to go to church Um, Simple Church ourselves, I mean, we have a 99% um, not Uh in-person service. So it's tough even as an adult, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about how your kids are teaching you to some extent. So here we are, my kid's begging us to do this FX box, which in turn is helping us to to. Not become better Christians, but stay sure. um, better Christians. You know, there's. You, you go through this FX box, and it and it's got a. Uh, you're supposed to lead your child in prayer for this for whatever the particular activity is. When's the last time you prayed? You know, when's the last time you thought about about doing these things? Are you Are you thinking about other kids that are in need and in you know on some random Morris. Tuesday night? <laughs> Um, but here we are, just trying to do our best to to raise good kids and raise good adults, and and you're 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 trying to do this activity, and yet it gets you thinking about um, bigger issues and and keeping yourself honest because more's caught than taught, right? right. So um, they they've been fantastic resources. Props to Angie again, my wife. She's she's done ninety nine percent of the FX um, box leadership, but Um, tremendous, tremendous, I don't want to say value, but tremendous tool. Resource. Resource, yeah, that that the church provides for free if you're in the
0: Shreveport-Bossier area. Come by, pick them up. You get to see the Simple Kits leaders are actually picking them up this week. So if you're listening to this podcast, December 9th, that Thursday is the last day to pick up the December and January box. They've got the 2021 stuff in there and then the new one will launch the end of January for February. But you can go to thefx.tv. You can subscribe. You can get one shipped to you. And we put the resources on that website. So even if you can't get a box or they're sold out or they don't have any more available, you can still go through and do the lessons each month from the website. Plus, there's table talk for teenagers on there as well. That If you want to go through and have the sermon on Sundays and watch, you can subscribe, get a text message reminder each week, and go on that website, thefx.tv, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. So, Stephen, thanks for that. The last question we ask everybody as they come on, what is the best piece of parenting advice you've ever gotten? And we will call it a day.
1: Oh, man that's a great question you're gonna to have to trim out a bunch of awkward silence <laughs> we can do as that i think magic of editing exactly um hmm and this was in your pre this was in your Say, notes I'm, and I'm that's just,
0: right you're normally prepared you're, I all know. The stuff.
1: you did great i prepared with all the others i was trying to remember all of, all of the dave ramsey stuff In general, I don't know that this isn't going to be a tagline kind of of thing that you could retweet. But, um, you know, I certainly a lot of people every time every time you encounter older parents, they say, you know, just don't don't blink. You'll miss it. (laughs) Don't blink. You'll miss it. And so, like I mentioned, I, I, I am more addicted to my phone than I think the average person is. I, I know my wife would agree. The I'm right there with you. amount of hours I spend on YouTube is, is uh, I don't even want to discuss it. I shudder. Every time I see my screen time <laughs> report, come on, for you Apple fans out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. So funny. I don't know if you remember this or not. I preached about the Moment
0: app. It was probably 2017 when I spoke in church because I was using that and it challenged me. And then Apple took that and put it in the screen time report and basically took their technology like Apple's tend to do and uses that but it is pretty shocking when you think about
1: that yeah I mean when I get that screen time report I, I'm always a little bit embarrassed of the of the number so you know with with my kids and, and the best bit of parenting advice that the, the one that's stuck with me the most is just is just pay attention stop looking at your phone stop stop you know it takes effort When you're when you come home from work and you're tired and you probably had 17 problems over the last, you know, eight hours of work, you know, you're trying to get dinner fixed. Your kids are loud. And then your child wants you to to throw a ball or to play with them or, you know, Zoe wants you to to come have tea with her. And I'm a terrible player. By the way, like I I, I, I go sit down on the on the in the living room floor with them, and I try to imagine whatever it is they're imagining while they're playing, and it's it's boring, right? I mean, it's like, like I, every parent of little kids out here is relating. Yeah, so that's right. don't I mean, judge us. I'd, I'd much rather be reading the Wall Street Journal or something. I and, play a lot of Barbies, and I would have yeah. never chose to play Barbies in any capacity. But but I just keep telling myself, you know, this this is. Not, this is a fleeting thing. You don't have this forever. You don't have two year olds and four year olds forever. They're not getting any cuter, you know? So I, I always do my best to take the time to indulge. Hey, when, will you play with me, dad? Yes. Let me, let me stop what I'm doing. The dishes can wait. The chores can wait. The the problems from work are not, they're not worthy of this moment, um, so it's probably cliche. You probably had seven other guests already. No, say but it's good. It's, and
0: it's something that if somebody's listening for the first time needs to hear it, or if you've heard it, it's a reminder and definitely challenges me too, because it's, it's a lot easier to be on your phone <laughs> and zone out. Yeah. And it's intentionality that I think ties back into the conversations with money and being there. And especially with Christmas and the holidays, the doing and the busyness and the dishes and all that stuff, you can push back the intentionality of being with your kids, being present. And it's just something that I think is natural and everybody struggles with that. And just a good reminder for all of us, Steven. So you nailed
1: it. You did great. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I never regret that the dishes didn't get done after that. You know, I mean, the, I don't get up off of the floor with my, you know, after we get done playing with the toys. Well, that and, was a waste of time. Say, Gosh, <laughs> doggone, man. This was just, now, now I'm going to have to do all these chores. Thanks a lot, kid. You you know, wasted. Yeah, total waste of time. No, it's, it's, always, it's always fun, even though even though I have no idea what these two dinosaurs are doing and what my role is in this, oh, yeah. in this game. But. I've
0: ended up in pretty, pretty princess outfit. And I'm like, <laughs> how did I get to this point in life? <laughs> But yes. We'll laugh about it, Stephen. We can mm-hmm. enjoy it. Man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here and sharing with us today. My pleasure. This was this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to that episode. I'm so thankful for Stephen Knight coming on and sharing with us. You go to show notes on the podcast and you can find the link to the book and you can also see as well the fx.tv to get your info about your fx box. And if you don't get one this month, it's okay. You can subscribe now and get one when it comes out at the end of January, beginning of February 2021, which is hard to believe it's already here. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great week.